The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward unhungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I think it should be obvious but it bears repeating that the season of Lent is the season of fasting during which we put to death those temptations that keep us from God. It is the season during which we pay special attention to the powerful hold that this world has on us, intent as it is to keep us here forever, never escaping to our heavenly paradise. It is a season during which we should at least feel the occasional hunger pain, miss a worldly joy, and acknowledge the holds that sin and death have on our lives. Hence, Lent begins with a reminder that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And the first Sunday of Lent always focuses on temptation. The story of Adam and Eve being tempted in the Garden of Eden and Jesus' temptation in the wilderness really packs a one-two punch. Adam and Eve's fall into sin is the archetype, really, for all sin. For all sin is wanting to be like God. For in being like God, we possess the autonomy to do whatever we want. We become masters of the universe. We determine what is right and wrong. We have the power. The temptation of Jesus, meanwhile, is all about the greatness of our Lord. What Jesus has done for us to atone for the sins of Adam and Eve and all of us. Paul says it so clearly, we heard it this morning in a kind of summary statement in Romans 5, uh, which 
by the way, I think is the best argument for why we cannot escape a historical Adam and Eve, try as we might. Paul writes, therefore, just as one man's trespass led to the condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. In a very real way, the victory of Jesus in Matthew 4 and other texts uh, over the devil uh, in this period of temptation is the gospel. For while the cross and resurrection certainly seal that work for all of eternity, the beginning of that work is performed here. Jesus is in the wilderness for you. Jesus is fleeing temptation for you. Jesus is beating the devil at his own game for you. That's why we end every Lent one service with a mighty fortress is our God. It isn't random. We didn't just choose it because we like it, because it's one of those Lutheran hymns we should sing twice a year. It's chosen because Jesus protects us like a fortress. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So even though this is a season of struggle, it is also a season that brings us closer to our Lord. For in the struggle, we realize more and more what he has done for us. All of that said, in a sense, I often feel like, well, what more can be said about this topic or our situation? Yes, temptation is real, and we must fight against it always. But it isn't so much words that need to be said. I mean, I could preach till I'm blue in the face. What we all need is really to listen to our conscience. For there we will hear what we are doing wrong and what we need to do to amend our lives. We all face the same temptations after all. There's nothing new under the sun. Lust, greed, power, notoriety, self-rule. And I definitely don't want to make light of any of those temptations, for they all drive us to ruin. Paul's list in Galatians 5 of vices, you know, he gives us, he tells us what the fruits of the Spirit are, and then he says, these are the works of the flesh. And he says that they are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and things like these. Pretty comprehensive list, I would say. Uh, so basically, folks, don't do any of those things, okay? But perhaps we can reflect on the changing nature of temptation or the changing nature of what tempts us. The devil is very cunning, after all. Today, I think we might find it hard to escape our temptation to bury our talents. Even if we have escaped the more obvious sins or temptations of, say, drunkenness or idolatry or anger, we may have silently 
and suddenly fallen into the temptation to not fully exploit our gifts. Now, perhaps you remember the parable. Jesus hands out talents to three servants. The first to use the talents, they double them and then return them to the master, and the master's very uh, happy for that. Uh, the third takes his talent and he buries it in the ground for he's afraid of the master. And the master is not pleased about this at all. You get the impression it might have been better if he had tried to you know, invest that talent and lost it. Uh, but he definitely could have given it to the bankers for a modicum of interest. But he did nothing out of fear. He did not use his talent and the, the master is very unhappy with him. So the teaching is, is not easy, but it's clear. Whatever talents you have, employ them. God gave them to you for a reason. It's how you show your, your neighbor that you love them. The modern world often presents us with temptations that are sold to us as conveniences, time savers, simple pleasures, life easers. We are easily and often drawn into an alternate digital reality that isn't all bad, but it consumes our time and energy and passion, which in turn hampers us using our talents. Basic human interaction is on the chopping block. ChatGPT writes essays for us now. We don't need to learn anymore like in the good old days about thesis statements and you know arguments that defend that statement. Remember when we learned the ubiquitous five paragraph essay? Well now you just give uh, artificial intelligence a prompt and it'll write you a perfect five paragraph essay. Which means if we employ such a method, we are shortchanging really our ability to think, to organize ideas, to take a problem from its origin to its conclusion, to solve it. If we let artificial intelligence do all of our thinking and writing for us, are we not dumbing ourselves down in very profound ways? Social media is where we connect with people. Video games is where we win wars. Our phones are where we play sports. Google Play is where we play music. And heaven help us if we go all in and one day find ourselves in a pod with a feeding tube inserted, probably feeding us a lot of bug protein. Virtual reality goggles glued to our eyes, living our best life in some kind of metaverse. But with each and every distraction, each and every creature comfort, distant friendship or computer-generated essay, we are sleepwalking into that world where supercomputers will do everything for us and we'll just consume, consume, consume. Sure, all of these things get introduced and implemented slowly, although it's happening a lot faster now. But a new account here, a video game there, an online lecture here, a YouTube video there, a new app on our phone here, a downloaded album there. Over time, we just adapt to this world where we interact with people less, we stop attending events in person, 
We have little to no civic engagement. We're just pacified with an endless stream of distractions. Exactly what our overlords want for us, or should I say, from us. Just so long as they have our credit card number on file, they'll take care of everything else. We just need to pop into consciousness every time when it's about to expire and, and give them the new number. We have less and less tactile, analog, if you will, experiences as our world becomes more digital. We don't even buy our own food or even need to cook. Those things can be handled by an app as well. Can you imagine someone else choosing your bell pepper for you in the grocery store? No, no, no. Hands off my bell pepper, personal shopper. While some of these conveniences may be harmless enough, lifestyle, a lifestyle of them offers the temptation to bury our talents deeper and deeper. When someone is offering to do pretty much everything for us for just a small price, we think, how much more slowly do we just lose ourselves in the process? How much of us is lost to the digital hellscape? What talent that the world needs never emerges because we were too distracted doing something that doesn't matter or being entertained like a zombie. A life in Christ who has taken on the devil and won is far more satisfying. He has done the truly hard thing. He has overcome the forces of death and the devil. What we get to do, which is a gift and a joy, is use our talents to make this world a better place in every area of life. That is a full, gratifying, and satisfying life. But we must choose it. And now that means saying no to those who want to shut us up and siphon us off into some digital paradise. We say that the heavenly paradise is good enough for us. Amen.